you. It's so good to be here. I see new faces, but I see faces that are friends from a long time ago. Um, I've had a hymn running through my mind, and Ken says, forget that. Not everybody will know the hymn. I'm wondering how how many here would help me with the words, because this is what I feel I'm to speak. But I have a problem when I say hymns. Does anybody remember things better when you sing them? Yeah, so this is an old one that I grew up with, but my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, which is a song, but holy trust in Jesus' name. I think that's... Did you pull it up? You? No, 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 no. He's not. He's not that. It much is of a one of those gorgeous <laughs> hymns that. Uh, and you know, when I was a child, my dad was a pastor, so when I didn't know the words on the front row, I just made them up. They went with the tune, and I found out when I was older. Oh, I was think- singing things that weren't theologically correct at all. And uh, when I could start to read the words, some of them were quite funny, actually. But songs go into our spirit. We were made to worship. And uh, this is, uh, I can't wait to hear a message on hope. Now, I've been listening to Ken my whole married life. And so he's not only my husband, but he's my pastor. And uh, you pick so many things up over the years. And by the way, living with him, he's, he's a great pastor. He's a great encourager. And God brings people into our lives You're a great hope giver, James. James gives hope where people have lost hope in their business realm, in their life. And he has a great background, and uh, he's been coming to Calgary. And bless his heart, I think he's dealt with big business people in the past, but he sits with us little entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs wannabe. That's me. Um, Always believing that I'm going to be able to hit it big someday and bless Ken and make yes, him a millionaire. Yes, that was my yes. that was my plan when I first met him. So nobody has squashed my dreams yet. And that's not who James is. He's he's a person that comes along and gives hope to what you dreamt about and gives plans to get there. He's a great guy. And uh, you will uh, appreciate your time spent with him. He's wonderful with the people that we've gathered together in a little restaurant and just talking about our dreams and uh, what we hope to accomplish. You know, Christ comes to make us the best we can be. He just sees us as perfect. And I've never forgotten that in my life. When Heavenly Father looks down on me, no matter the faults and flaws I have, I feel incredibly loved by my heavenly father, incredibly loved, accepted. And he says, go for it, girl. And uh, I've been working with some young girls in our church, and we always talk about that nudge that we get to wake up early in the morning and seek the Lord. And uh, we always laugh with each other about how, yep, Holy Spirit's faithful to wake us up, but we're not faithful to roll out. (laughs) Don't know if anybody's there. So the other morning... um, I've been asking Holy Spirit to wake me up. It is a prayer he seems to answer all the time. And it comes about 4.30 in the morning, 4.35 o'clock. But I, you know, I was telling, I was sort of saying, oh, yes, it's a great idea. 
And I did pray that. But I'm tired. And I felt this big smile in my spirit. It says, it's okay. You're tired today, but we're going to get there. And, you know, God's a great hope giver and a great encourager. I never feel less than. I feel lifted up. And that's the word I'd like to speak about hope this morning. Christ comes to give us hope where we're at. So wherever you're at in your faith walk today, at the beginning or way down the road, and you say, I should be so much further because I've been in this for so many years, don't feel that way. Heavenly Father says, come on, take my hand. I want to lift you up. You're full of life. The life of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ within us wants to grow and explode and be contagious in this area. That's what it's really all about, releasing him in the coffee shop, the workplace, your neighborhood, to your spouse, to your kids, that they just fall in love with Jesus. So may you be blessed as you leave today with the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus and his righteousness. Don't trust sweet songs and worship here, but lean on him because he's here for you. Yeah. Amen. Come on now. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes, isn't Father wonderful? Yes. Amen. It's great to be here with you again. Looks to me like the lighting is different. Have you done something with the lighting? It's just. Uh, well, it, we, we had this before. We just maybe didn't. Ah, it's just, it's, no, it's wonderful. I'm just, it's wonderful. I'm just uh, grateful for it. That's yeah. beautiful. Uh, James. Uh, James is a part of the Ripple Network. I've known James for about 25 years. When I was asked to do mentoring institutes to help people understand the process of mentoring in the house of God, which is basically, there's three dimensions really in helping people. One is coaching. The other is mentoring and the other is fathering. And when people can't get to fathering, which is the most intimate aspect of, of leadership and relationship, uh, I launched mentoring institutes because it was a lack of understanding of what it meant to be a spiritual son in the kingdom of God and what it meant to be a spiritual father and mother in the kingdom of God. So I launched mentoring institutes and James and his wife was a part of that many years ago. And uh, as we traveled together, James has a theological background with about 20 years of business coaching. And not only that, helping families, because if you're going to help a business, you really have to help a family, or help a family, you're going to help a business. And so we were in uh, Berks Falls last weekend together, and James spent all day Monday, all day Tuesday, with people from, from the Berks Falls Church. And then we were in Ajax a week before, and we spent time there as well. And so he's opened his heart to you. And from my heart to you, if I could recommend it, why? Well, one thing that is one of my graces on my life is to make way for Canadians because so often the influence that comes to our churches comes from south of the border which I uh, really esteem and respect but there are excellent Canadians out there that I believe that Holy Spirit wants us to make way for not only that I know you've been talking a lot about the kingdom of God in this house over the last number of months I think I've uh, just finished probably uh, coming up 
to probably 60 to 70 messages on the kingdom in the last two years. And so I'm, I'm with you. I don't know where you've been, but I know where we've been. And my wife has said to me, I don't care if you never preach another message as long as you live, if you'll just keep preaching on the kingdom. Because we've been raised in the gospel of the local church, not the gospel of the kingdom. The moment that we comprehend that, that's not semantics. That is a complete shift in everything that we do. When Jesus came, he came preaching the kingdom. When he instructed his disciples or his followers, the ones who are going to imitate him, he said, hey, guys, when you go out there, you live the kingdom and you preach the kingdom of God. And we understand the kingdom of God. And uh, while I was pastoring here in Belleville, yeah, many years ago, Sharon, right? Sharon, many, many years ago, pastored here, right? Many years ago. And uh, it was in that time that the Holy Spirit began to take me on a journey of understanding the kingdom of God. And if we're going to advance the kingdom of God, it's going to take a strategic cooperation between the marketplace and the local church that together we express and advance the kingdom of God in our nation and beyond. So my encouragement, uh, James, is that marketplace piece in our network that we want to help every local church that we possibly can to help business leaders, to help them find their way. Get them unstuck. That's one of the words that James uses a lot is he, he's used of God to help business people get unstuck. Anybody here need to get unstuck this morning? Well, I'm sure they'd help. So speak with them after and he'll talk with you about that. And if you'd like to meet with them tomorrow, we'll set up probably 90 minute appointments and we'll find a place to meet, and uh, maybe we could have Tammy come all day and make lattes out there, and James could sit at uh, that blueberry flan, that blueberry flan, I'm speaking that blueberry flan into, into existence. Uh, does anybody else like blueberry flan besides me? And uh, things like that. But you know, for, for sake of interest, before I move on, the, um, while I was here at Belleville, the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation of the kingdom and the constitution of the kingdom. You say there's a constitution, yeah. When Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, he gave to us the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. And if we take those three chapters and culture would live those three chapters, maybe, maybe the last part of chapter 4 and the first part of chapter 8, but it is a biblical constitution on how the family of God works, how the kingdom of God is expressed. And I believe if we took time to unpack that in our lives, uh, God could shift many things that would help us to advance his kingdom. Does anybody here love the word? Two, three, four, six. Okay, six. Well, if I could give you an assignment, I'm always giving people assignments because... Uh, when you go away from here today, we spend two hours together in corporate worship and fellowship, but we got another 168 hours before next week at 10 o'clock. How about some homework? How about you have a look at Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and read it in about five different translations and to say, Jesus, would you reveal yourself to me and help me to understand the advanced constitution of the kingdom of God that can help us to really move forward and help us, every one of us, in our journey of life. If you have your Bibles, would you turn them with me, please, to the book of Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. And we're going to look at the uh, 
very important portion of Scripture. When Kevin, uh, I was talking with about coming, I said, Kevin, is there any way I can serve you? What theme are you doing? Can I jump in on it? And he said, yeah, we're doing hope, peace, joy, and love, however the order is. And he said, would you do hope? And I said, absolutely do hope. Because what he did when he gave me that subject, he played right into my life's call. And that is to be a hope giver. Whether it be the Ugandans, and whether it be the Malawans, whether it be Canadians or Americans, or Colombians or Nicaraguans, or whatever it may be, or Grecians or Russians, or Ukrainians, whatever it may be, we have the opportunity as a people of God to give hope everywhere we go. But say this after me, would you out loud? One, two, three. Say this after me. I can't. I can't. Oh, let's try that again. I can't. I can't. Oh, take out your right index finger, please. It's time for you to preach. Are you ready to roll? Right index finger. I can't. I can't. Oh, let's try that one more time. I can't. I can't. Say it with some gusto. Okay, you ready? I can't. Oh, very good. I can't. Give away, Give away what I do not have. Outside the four walls of this building is a city that needs more hope than it's ever needed in the historicity of this city. And the ones that are able to give that kind of hope are the people of God who want to go about advancing the kingdom because it's a kingdom of hope. But I, I just can't give it away. So you may want to be always on the receiving end. But we have a culture right now that needs to receive what God has put into us. How many know the scripture says, we are saved by faith through grace? How many know that scripture? Raise your hand, please. Not, no trick questions. You know that scripture? Well, the Bible says that's how we're saved. We're saved by faith through faith in Jesus Christ. But did you know it also says that we're saved by hope. And that's in the book of Romans chapter 8. Come on now. That is, that is awesome. That's beautiful, 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 beautiful. Don't turn your heads because that could be in my car. <laughs> uh, somebody, uh, James, you said you'd help me with almost anything while you're with me on the journey. Well, there you go. So that would look excellent. Okay. And if I, I, we probably have three or four hope signs in our house. We have them in the church. Our daughter has them. Our kids have them because we want to be known as a family that gives away what God's given to us. Anybody else in the room? You're on page with me today. Say this after me. I can't give away what I do not have. But I have. I have hope. So I can give it away. So this entire week before me, I'm going to give away what God's put in my heart. Isn't that beautiful? Say after me. Salute. I am an appointed hope giver to the city of Belleville and beyond. Amen. That was good. Hope givers. What does it mean to mean to be a hope giver? Well, the scripture speaks a lot about hope. There's all kinds of times we can give some flowers, and in giving of flowers, we can give hope. We can be a, in the nursing profession or the medical profession. doesn't matter what world we're in. That's why my wife and I bought a seven-story seven hotel for the homeless. And in that place, they've graduated over 1,500 men. 
They've now bought 45 different transition homes to transition them out of the place of getting help into a place of now getting their lives back together and giving back to society that they have taken from. And now there's eight for the women. There's 37 for the men now transitioning into homes so they can feel good again about themselves. Maybe in the whole process they've not received Christ. But they will not forget what we have done for them. That's right. right? Not everyone necessarily is going to become a convert to our way of thinking. But that does not stop me from giving away what God has freely given to me. Is that not true? true. Say this after me this morning. Freely given. Freely freely received. Freely received. Freely freely given. And so that's why we can give away what God has put in the deep recesses of our hearts. The scripture says in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope. So let's begin right there. He's established hope in his very name, in his very nature, by the name of God, by his person. It says, may the very God of hope fill you. When Barry was starting the service here, I was just going to say, Barry, we've just had this morning's message because he quoted about 17 (laughs) scriptures on hope because this man's a hope giver. Wherever he goes, he just oozes and gives. When, when he preaches the word of God, the hope of God is coming out of him. At, at, it's even leaking out his ears. And our little grandson, Jacob, he's a Downs boy. Barry comes, and Jacob's sitting over there, and he tells his mom he wants out of the stroller. He gets out of the stroller. He grabs Angela's Bible, our daughter, and he comes. Barry's walking, you know, Barry's walking back and forth and preaching, prophesying. And he's, he's just on the fly, you know how he gets some. Come on, help me out. Well, Jacob, Downs boy, he gets out, grabs the Bible, and he starts following Barry. Right, Barry? Hey, seriously, because there's no junior Holy Spirit. And whatever was going on in his spirit was being transmitted into Jacob's little spirit, and his little spirit comes alive. <laughs> Barry picks him up. Carries him for 15 minutes while he preaches. And I'm praying all the time, impartation, impartation, impartation. Whatever's in Barry, let it just mm, go right into Jacob, you know. And right, because the thing about, <laughs> the, the Bible says, Paul writes, he said, I come amongst you to impart some spiritual gift that would make you strong. So if I could come here from time to time and from the nature of God inside my own heart could impart something to this house that would make you strong, mission accomplished, have a great day, let's go have Sunday dinner. Seriously. Do you realize you carry the same spirit? We just walk recognizing who we are in God. Can you say, I am a hope giver. And I can give away. What God has given to me. me. And I'm not going to be stingy. I'm going to give away everything that God has given to me. So may the very God of hope, what? What? I can't hear you. you. Say me. Me. Fill me. me. Come on. Would you like to have that happen this morning? Lift your hands, Father. Say God of hope. Fill me. me. Push from me. me. Despair. Despair. Depression. Depression. Discouragement. Discouragement. Oppression of the enemy. enemy. 
Drive it out. Drive it out. Fill me up. Fill me up. Push it out of me. Push it out of me. Displace it. Displace it. In the name of Jesus. Fill me with your hope. Oh, yeah. Oh, now, second part is next week. Third week. All joy. You got your whole series right here in this verse. It's all right here, right? Whole things right here. So you can camp on this every, every day this month and just keep going because it's all there. And pick it apart from 17 angles, you know. And may he fill you with all joy. Come on now. Sometimes we look like we have been baptized thoroughly in dill pickle juice. Pickling season is over. Come on now. What's the purpose of this physiog? It's to reflect the God of hope and release it with the joy of the Lord. And that's just fully contagious. Come on. Anybody want to be a contagion? Oh, six people want to be contagious. Oh, next week, Kevin, here we are, and fill you with all peace. No, 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 don't, don't miss the little word there. Come on. And fill you with all peace. Listen, wherever Cheryl goes, 45 years ago, we entered into covenant in marriage. And I said to Cher, what's the most important thing in our marriage and in our home? And she said to me, without hardly even thinking, can Peace. A peace in our home. Peace in our marriage. Peace in our family. So I said, I come into agreement with you that we'd have peace. So you walk into the front door of our home, there's a big sign. Peace. People come in and are always apologizing because they sleep longer than they want to. You see, because we came into agreement and we welcomed the peace of God, the Prince of Peace, right in through our front door. We opened up the front door and said, Prince of Peace, you are welcome in this house. An RCMP officer came into our house one day, heard that coming to get his kids, and he heard we had two new puppy dogs. He said, Ken, can I see your puppy dogs? He was in the house three minutes, saw the puppy dogs, walked back out, and he just said to me, do you realize there's the peace of God in this place? It's because we came into agreement covenantal agreement that the Prince of Peace would rule in our marriage and would rule in our home and would rule in our relationships. Anybody interested in that? So many of our Christians home, there's, there's not peace behind that front door. But you can take hold of it. Take a hold of the God of peace first. Let Him release joy inside your heart and let the peace of God that passes human understanding infiltrate every part of our DNA. That was good, wasn't it, Jody? <laughs> Come on, Nell. Loosen up on that front seat, man. You're way too starchy. I think this politics stuff has gotten you too starchy. Come on, loosen up just a little bit, man. I told him there wasn't room in politics yesterday when I saw him. There's lots of room in the kingdom. We need some good ministers like that. Don't you think so? <laughs> I just told him to cross over in a place where he doesn't have to live a life of comp compromise. <laughs> but here comes the caveat for everybody in the room. This is my part. His part, he establishes. My part is to choose to trust him. I choose to trust you. Man, sometimes when it gets to that part, that's where our metal gets tested. 
When we choose to trust God, I think many times it's easier to have faith than it is to take that faith to the next level and start trusting in God, believing in God. Believe that He has your best interest as you can trust in Him. Why? Come on now. So that we might overflow with So we overflow with what? Hope. Hope. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's God's word. So let's just pick it apart just for a couple of moments. The God of hope. In the Old Testament, there was an attitude of submission based on the assurance that what God promises, he will fulfill. That's Old Testament hope. And it's a powerful thing. The expectation and desire of something good in the offing is about to happen. Does anybody remember Oral Roberts? Anybody remember Oral Roberts? They used to have the Oral Roberts singers and they used to come on television and the opening to that, something good is about to happen to you. You. They say, you and people of God, if we stand in that place, something good is about to happen. Are you ready? May the spirit of Oral Roberts fill this house. The spirit of faith the spirit of hope and what he, what he prophesied and declared, whether you agree with him totally or not, park that for a few minutes and realize that the man was a hope giver, so much so that he built a, about a 20-story hospital to help people. And students are still graduating and taking the message of the gospel all around the world because something good is about to happen to us. Say, oh, Ken, that's mind over matter. Well, maybe mind over matter to you, but let me tell you, something good is about to happen to me. <laughs> anybody, uh, anybody interested? See, we live in such negative self-talk. I'm no good. I can't do this. Oh, yes, we can. I, we are good by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Is that not true? So the word itself builds hope into the fiber of our being. What is hope? Anticipatory expectancy. You know, one day I was driving in the city of Belleville. Holy, I drive by a building. Holy Spirit says, that building is for you. Oh, thank you very much, Father. <laughs> Ten, a seven-story hotel is for me. I tucked that thing, put it into my heart. Never breathed anything about it. Because I was like, Mary pregnant with child. She was going to give birth to the hope giver of the universe. <laughs> I wonder what it's like for Mary for those nine months carrying the chief hope giver, the imparter of all faith inside her womb. Come on. Come on now. Can you imagine what's going on on the inside of that woman's life that now she is carrying not only the son of man, but the son of God within her DNA. And you and I today, by faith, we carry that same DNA on the inside of us so that we can give away what God has put into our heart. Can you imagine her living? She's, she said, I, I never knew a man. She's freaking out in that culture. You know, to be pregnant, not of a husband, hello. You're probably a good candidate for stoning or something like that. And so she's got to keep it a secret. She's carrying. So can you imagine that anticipatory expectancy that's going on? Come on, you moms that have given birth to children. You know, you can't wait for the ninth month. Come on, is that right? Oh, wish that baby would come. Ken, you got to take me to the hospital. I think the baby's shifting. Uh, third trimester. I got to get that baby out of there, right? Now you can know the sex and everything like that. 
Years ago, we didn't want to know because we just wanted to wait. What's, what's come? What's God given to us? What are we birthing into the world? And there she comes, Angela, into the world. Feet first. Feet first. Can you imagine? Our daughter was born feet first right here in Belleville General Hospital. And Cheryl said, I said, baby, like I went to all the Lamaze classes, and I thought it was supposed to be a head, right? That's what I was taught. That's what I thought. Crown, crown, all that kind of. And I said, baby, there's feet. <laughs> Something came over her because she knows the complications of a footling breach. Something took over her. She, I watched her whole body in front of me. Oh, she took her medical mind and then she went, okay, baby, you're coming out of there, you know. And out came Angie into the world, feet first. A little V foot and then a second foot. Dr. Alora, she go, whoo, she came right in the slipstream, man. Dr. Alora's like catching a lateral. Angie came into the world like this, you know. But oh, we lived in such expectancy that our little, our little baby was going to be born. We didn't know it was going to be a little girl. Come on. He gives us life itself to give us expectancy. So that we can live in that anticipation of what God has for us. Is that not true? Anyways, I'm convinced. And then it's to expect with a happy expectation. And so when we begin to look at this, is anybody looking forward to Christmas? Have any made out of your Christmas list yesterday? I was just talking to Amy and Isaiah. Isaiah Lockwood, he's made out his list for his mother. He said, Pastor Ken, I've never made a list. She asked me to make a list. Now, mom told him yesterday the list was too long. <laughs> the list was too long. You got your list made out yet? Yeah. yeah. How many things on it? Oh, oh it's in your phone. You got, okay, you got your list. In the, sure. Has anybody got their list? You got your list? Who's got your list? Come on. That lady. Okay, right, yeah. The thing of it is, is you better get your list up there because we're believing. So I listen to my wife's language all year long. Oh, that'd ever be nice to have that. And I just, and then I, I listen to her language. I sure would be nice. And then a husband roll, lock that puppy in. Then my eyes are like this. And wherever I go, I'm going to find that. Because that's the hope that's in her heart. Right? Right? It's hope. She wanted to design her own wedding ring. So on our 25th wedding anniversary, we got to Zimbabwe. And this beautiful gold in Zimbabwe. And I was able to allow her to create her own ring. But she lived forward, looking for that for years and years. Because to an expect with happy anticipation. Then I found this little, this blue sapphire. Four carat blue sapphire. From people from Tanzania. And, and. The thing's worth <laughs> tons of dollars, and I bought it for 80 U.S. dollars. And then set it in 18 karat gold so, so that she can wear it every day, a blue sapphire. But the things that we get to do as husbands, to hear, to hear the language of our wife's heart and to hear what she desires and to do the best we can to allow that to happen, and whatever, wherever we are, give people hope in everything that we do, and, and to live with happy expectation. Old Testament hope is divine this way. It's an attitude of submission based on the assurance that God will keep His promises. Is anybody committed to God? Does God make promises? And I would just suggest if you have a prophetic word over your life 
or if you have a promise that God has given to you, may I encourage you to go get that thing in a closet, in a file somewhere, in a book, in a journal somewhere, gather them this week, bring them down off the hoist, bring them on the table in front of you, and revisit every prophetic word that's ever come to your life, every promise that God's promised into your, your whole spirit. He promised me that hotel. I'm just talking about what God does. He, he, he does nothing by half. What he promises, he does fulfill. That's our God. That's the nature of our God. So when it comes to that, to being a hope giver, that's his full nature, that God will keep his promises. So I don't know about you, but I'm pretty committed to that statement right there, that God will keep his promises. As a matter of fact, he did keep his promise in sending his son. And that's the first inkling in the New Testament that he's going to keep his word. If he kept it that way, giving his only begotten son, then he's going to continue to keep his promises. So may the very God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that Father is here and he's wanting to do that in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can be light givers, hope givers, that in a hurting world that you and I can give things away that God has put into our life by the power of the Spirit. So let's have a look at it. Here it is on the side. Let's look at here. Some things that God wants to do. May the God of hope fill us with what? All joy, all peace, as I trust in Him. You say, what are you doing? I am extrapolating from one verse what God is saying to us as His people. This is what He has for us. So for me, the very God of hope, what does He want to do? He wants to fill us. So basically, you can't do anything else but give away joy and give away peace and give away what God has put into our heart to a culture that I believe is desperately in need of hope. Now, Old Testament hope, I gave you the definition. New Testament hope makes a shift. It moves from a promise to a person. I wonder if we recognize that one thing about the nine fruit of the Spirit. The day I recognized that faith was a person, my life was changed. The day I realized that gentleness was a person, my life was changed again. The day I recognized that meekness was a person, my life was shifted again. What are you saying, Ken? I'm saying that all nine fruit of the Spirit are not nine fruits off of nine different trees, but nine fruit from one person, and his name is Jesus. And he can only give away what he is. And so when we stay in the vine, what comes to us in the vine? We're the branches. He's the vine. The Father is the source. And so what can we produce? We can produce everything that's in the vine through us as the branches. So the meekness that Jesus said, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, we can be meek people. Anybody interested in meekness? May I say to you, I believe it's one of the most sterling qualities of the New Testament church. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and you shall find rest for your soul. You just take those nine fruit of the Spirit and realize that peace is a person. That joy is a person. That gentleness is a person. That hope is a person. Literally, when we recognize that, it's not some, something that's a way off in the far distance, but I have that person on the inside of me, and I say, Lord Jesus Christ, in your full nature, just release who you are through me as a child of God. And I can produce the very things that he has. So what do we got here? Well, what does the word, what does the term fill you mean? Well, it's like going to a buffet. How many when you go to a buffet always eat more than you should? Come on, tell the truth. Come on. 
Oh, you guys not go to buffets? What it means, it means to buffet your body. Does anybody believe in buffeting your body? Yes. But you know what that word means? That word fill means that we're to stuff ourselves. We're to gorge ourselves. We're to literally get so full that we're completely satiated. And, and literally, we're so full, just so full. Like this way, we're gorged, like we're walking away. What's wrong with you, Ken? Well, I'm just so full of hope. I've got to get somewhere because I've got to give that thing away. I've got to release it somewhere in the name of Jesus. What does it mean? All joy. It means all forms of joy, all kinds of joy and happiness. Joy is life in excess. What does it mean? All peace. It means free from agitation and disturbance and embracing quiet. There is so much stress and anxiety in today's culture. And it just for me is the absence of peace. It's the absence of a person. You know, we, 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 take, we take so many pills as, as believers. There are many drug addicts in the body of Christ on prescription drugs. We're suffering from all the things that people without Christ suffer. Why is that? Why are we suffering with all that stuff? Terms like burnout amongst people. It's become like a, the F word in our language. Burned out, I'm burned out. Do you realize what you're speaking over yourself? Do you realize when we make those kinds of confessions that there's something not right in our life that needs to be brought into alignment? And let me just say to you today that the God of peace wants to push all stress. He wants to push all anxiety. You know, my father-in-law pastored for 54 years, and I can still hear him saying it, and I, I think of this quite often. He'd say to the congregation on a Sunday morning, right in the middle of his message, he'd say, you know, what congregation? Like, why pray when you can worry? <laughs> like, think that through. Like, you know that worry is the champion joy killer in the body of Christ. We worry over things we can do nothing about. And old Bill Bowler, bless his heart, he's been past seven years. Remember, baby, he said that? He just gave the congregation, well, go ahead, congregation, just, you know, like. Why pray when you can be stressed? Because all those things give, give us attention that we're looking for. It's the wrong attention that we need. It's not, that's not what we need. The Prince of Peace of the universe lives and abides in everyone that has invited him in. The God of hope abides within. The God of peace abides within this morning. <laughs> he's, he's right. The God of all forms of joy abides inside of us tonight. So how do I relate to that? Somehow I've got to work with God in a permission-giving environment and re give him full permission to release his nature through us as the people of God. Why? Because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is the strength of his people. Can somebody shout amen? amen. The joy of the Lord. And so many of us, are, you know, so much depression amongst the body of Christ. It's amazing. I can understand it where there's depression 
amongst those who do not know Christ. I understand those that even suffer from clinical depression, but it's become part of our loose vocabulary. And we're always speaking death over our lives. May the God of hope come and push thoughts of death out of our whole DNA so that we can receive life and give life and speak life because the God of death is not overpowering me. Come on, somebody shout it out. This is God's will for us. We've got to be free from agitation, people of God. Seriously. Free from agitation. I'm agitated. I'm ticked off. I'm almost at it. So much anger. So much anger. So many wives tell me, hey, it's hard to live in my home because my husband's angry all the time. Come on, men. Why don't we open up the front door and let the Prince of Peace in? Let's welcome him in. And he comes in like this. He just simmers down into our spirit. <laughs> the old Prince of Peace just says he just like, Slides underneath the door wherever he's welcome. But we can't give away what we haven't received. And you're talking this theme you've got going this month is a beautiful theme because it reflects on everything that God is. And I'm just going to stay here one more moment. This is what the scripture says to Ken Gill this morning Be anxious for nothing, Ken. I didn't write it. Jerry, it just says, Ken, you get into alignment with my word. Well, it doesn't make sense. No, 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 no. Ken, be anxiety free. Come on. Anybody interested? I think Holy Spirit wants to kick anxiety in the butt right out of the door of this house today. Are you with me, Kevin? I was preaching about Four months ago, Cheryl was with me, and I dropped to my knees in a service. I asked him to open up the back door. Because there's time for warfare. Time to drive out things that are not acceptable in our lives. The Holy Spirit says, why don't you just open up the door and trust me? And everything that shouldn't be there, you give me permission. <laughs> It'll be gone. I'll displace it with myself. Amen. Amen. He just wants to, do, he wants to do it in me. I mean, there's lots of things we could be anxious for. We've got a daughter, the age of 33. You know, she's in a car accident four years ago. Whole life changed. Whole life. She falls down the stair in our house two years ago. She breaks out into epileptic seizures. Our 35-year-old daughter is got four, four operative epilepsies in her brain. It's changed her life. We could be anxious for lots of stuff because we don't know. Dad, does that mean that I'm not going to be married? Dad, does that mean that I'm not going to have a job? Oh, there's all kinds of reasons for anxiety, right? Right? It's all kinds. And as we walk trying to give oversight in the network and trying to serve as spiritual fathers and mothers, to sons and daughters that are, you know, that sometimes they're all not all that nice. You could be, you could have anxiety about a lot of things. We could be anxious about all of our financial positions. So much anxiety can happen. 
And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to, wants to work on that. And this is the thing for me is, can as you exercise your faith, this is all available for you so you can give it away. It's up to us to exercise that faith. May the very God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so it might overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. So it's not just plugging into the God of hope, having the God of hope working on the inside of us. What does the word say, Matt? It says here now we're supposed to overflow. Can somebody say overflow? overflow. Can some, this site say over? over? Can this site say flow? flow? Let's do it together. One, two, three. You're looking at me today like I'm reading from a different book. This is for you, Heather. For you, Neil. You can overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember, Heather, when we worked together at First Assembly years, or at Calvary Temple years ago, when you were looking after the children that were incapacitated. I'd never seen somebody with such love in their life for people that they could not even communicate. Then we met another one like you, and her name's Krista. We have a Krista in our life. She's like a Heather, working with the children that it seems like there's no hope, and they're there with them, like giving away what they can. And, and our girls in our church, I've, I've had counseling sessions and sitting with fully autistic children and children that will never speak, and I just tell them, I, I don't have what you have, but they have it. And in their arms, they're releasing His mercy and His grace. And they're, they're releasing Him because there's an overflow of God on the inside of us that's directly related to the power of the Holy Spirit that's working through us as His people. And sometimes Pentecostal charismatic people, we don't move beyond tongues and prophecy. And it's very good to move beyond them as they're very good tongues, they're very good prophecies, awesome. But I think we've got to move into a dimension where we take the full Lord blessing of the power of the Holy Spirit to release all of His gifts and all His fruit and all of the graces in the Godhead through us as people to a broken culture. That was a great place to say hallelujah. hallelujah. So this is Ken Gill. This is Kenneth Samuel Gill version. You can't find it on your uh, app. This is my version. This is a translation that I put together after taking every word apart in this single scripture. And here it is. I don't know what's going on, but may the God of hope, which means the one who invites us to anticipate with pleasure, may he fill you, may he replete us, gorge us, stuff us, <laughs> and satiate us. With what? With all joy, that means life in excess, and all peace, that means anxiety and disturbance-free. As you trust in Him, Ken, as I have complete faith in Him, so that you can, or Cheryl, that we might overflow, that we might superabound, that we might excel with hope. The one who invites us to anticipate with pleasure by the dynamite of the Holy Spirit. What size is, what size is Holy Spirit today? Is he firecracker? Is he firecracker size? Or is he dynamite size? What size? What size? What size? You sure? Well, then you gotta, you gotta take it out and you gotta lift that baby out. I can see you full of dynamite, full of spunk, vim and vigor, right? But let, let him out. Let him out. Blow up something. I mean, you know, because, <laughs> like, 
constructively? Like, construct, seriously? Constructively? Uh, just a quick digression for a moment. They were tearing down a block-long hospital in Calgary called the, the, uh, in Calgary, the, general, the general Hospital. The thing was, you know, you know the General Hospital down here? Well, just take it about another block or so. And they decided that they were going to bring it down in one day. So guess what they did? They bought, brought in people that are experts with dynamite. And they strategically placed it all through it at every weak spot, at every, listen carefully, every strategic part in that hundred-year-old building. They planted it. They planted it. They said on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, so I live uh, 23 kilometers from downtown Calgary, but our, our bathroom window, I took the screen out, and I can look on an angle, and I could see the smokestack. And so I'm waiting, 7.58, 7.59, I'm looking, and all I hear is this, and the thing explodes, and the entire hospital came down in like less than a minute. I say, what are you trying to say? Strategically placed dynamite. Strategically placed dynamite. That's, pardon me for pointing the finger, but that's who we are. In the workplace that you're in, you're strategically placed dynamite. So when that hospital came down, the hospital that had been strategically placed, the dynamo was there. It's gone. This is what it means. By the dynamite, the dunamis. I'm not smarting. I'm not smart having fun with you. I'm telling you the truth. That's what the word means. It means the dunamis of God. It means the power of God. So God, how does it work? You see, we always think it's working in a building when we're laying hands on people. That's only part of it. You and I are strategic agents placed by God, filled with hope, filled with joy, filled with peace by the superpower of the Holy Spirit, strategically placed in culture. So you and I bring God to culture. The place exactly where God has planted you and I. Some of you want to maybe escape from the job. I say to Sharon, your work, I say, baby, you're a plant. It's time that we say we accept assignments as plants. Come on, we got to move beyond salt and light. We got to move to leaven. We got to move to leaven as a culture. We got to move. We got to let God strategically place us in places and bring God to culture. Like people say to me, Ken, that word infiltrate is too strong. Well, have we been infiltrated? What's the answer? So what are we going to do about it? We're being infiltrated on every level. Right now, they want to put gag orders on us right across the nation in the preaching of the gospel. Does that not sound like Acts 5, 6, and 7? It's the same thing. And someplace we've got to stand up. How? In our own personality strength? Not at all. We stand up in this. We stand up in this God of hope. You say to me, Kevin, you travel around the world with countries, don't you worry about your life? No. No. Absence from the body, present with God. I'm indestructible while carrying out the will of God. <laughs> it's just that, and that's not arrogance, that's just true. All you can do is kill me. But you can't kill my influence. May this word go like a ripple effect through this congregation. May it be the beginning of what you've got going on here in the next uh, few weeks. I want to I want to share with you a testimony this morning when he asked me if I'd preach and I'd preach on hope six or seven weeks ago. I talked to one of our pastors in our network that 
their son, they got an announcement in last June. He was a valedictorian on Friday. And on Tuesday, we were getting ready to go to South Africa, he and I together, in the month of January, because his son was going to roll in a gap, gap school down in Jeffreys Bay, right on the bottom of Africa. And we were going to go to South Africa then, Mark DeHoog and Kim DeHoog. We were going to go together and, and, and just be together and enroll their son. And he went to have his physical to get to go, and they called him up and said, your son has leukemia. And so it went from being valedictorian on Friday night to being airlifted from Smithers, British Columbia, right to BC. This is a testimony from uh, our good, how do I get it working? Ethan, Aiden, and myself, we just want to give you the warmest Christmas greetings from the West Coast. For the last 159 days, we have been in the thick of the unexpected and unwanted road of walking our 18-year-old son, Ethan, through diagnosis and treatment of leukemia. We're four months in on a 12-month intensive treatment path. That means our family lives 1,200 kilometers apart as Ethan is treated in Vancouver. We want to thank you for your prayers and support. Kind words, faith sent our way. It means so much to us. As we journey through this, I'm becoming more and more convinced that the human capacity for hope is so strong that even if everything in your circumstance tells you there is none, we will still manage to find it. Hope is alive, put into the seedbed of our hearts by God. But it's up to us to explore its depths, to draw on that hope, to pull on it, to either feed it or starve it. We know that we can't bank on yesterday's hope to carry us through today. In our situation, we have to make new withdrawals of hope each day based on the challenge that that day presents to us. The bigger the challenge, the greater withdrawal of hope we're authorized to make. I feel kind of in our current situation, heaven has written us a blank check for hope. It's a beautiful thing to know that there is no limit to the hope that we can draw on. What we've also learned is that hope's potency is increased when it's shared with others. It doesn't get watered down, it gets stronger. And so we make an effort in our situation to share hope as much as we can. In the middle of his trouble, Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. He was saying that although my circumstance seems to be declaring bad news to me, I can firmly plant myself in hope. God, I know you're still on the throne. I know your hand is still outstretched toward me. I know you're still doing things. You're pulling strings. I may not understand it, but I know you're working all things according to your purpose and your plan. So when things aren't going our way, we trust and we hope. It's easy to have a good attitude when things are going our way, but when the tough time comes and it feels like God's forgotten about us, that's when we have to dig our heels in, plant ourselves in hope, and say boldly, I know my Redeemer lives. This challenge didn't come to stay, it came to pass. Yeah. This is the hope we draw on every day, and this is what we meet our days with. This is Ethan before, and this is Ethan now. We sent him a care package from our church. They all gathered the stuff together. And this is a family walking through this season, 1,200 kilometers away. We helped them plant this ministry a couple of years ago. Mark and Kim are dear sons to Cheryl and I. We love them dearly. and want to say thank you 
because your prayers are helping them to walk through the reports that they're getting. And I'm not sure, Kevin, if you get his updates and the regular updates come, come through Facebook. But thank you. This is who uh, Mark and Kim are. This is Mark and Kim here. We're together in February. Our conversations that day, we spoke a lot about Ethan and what God wanted to do in his life. But all of a sudden, he is diagnosed. And his uh, diagnosis was, you have leukemia. And so he is on the toughest. He's had so many blood transfusions. So if you think of him. And when I was, Kevin asked me, Mark had just called me and said, hey, Mark, would you put together a short video clip as a testimony of hope in your life? And so that's what he's done for us this morning. And their heart's filled with gratitude. So how do I obtain hope? Through lessons learned in perseverance. There might be somebody here this morning you're about to give up. Maybe it's your marriage. Could we stop the tape for a moment and say, don't give up. Get help. Sometimes our pride doesn't allow us, doesn't, we don't want to get help, but may I say to you, go get help. Because we learn lessons of hope through perseverance. And it's perseverance is, is, is the unwillingness to give up, give over, give in, or quit. And sometimes we want to quit so easy. This is what, how else do I receive hope? Embrace encouragement from the scriptures. That's in the first part of Romans 15. Tough lessons through the development of our character. How many have learned that way? Anybody besides me learned that way? And these are three tips that we can use. Life lessons that we learn through perseverance by not giving up. Embracing encouragement from the scripture. It says that we can do that. Because you can't give away what we don't have, but we can. As the scripture encourages us, we can do this. So just, just have a look at, at this word. Because this, is, this scripture is so pertinent to us. Barry prayed it earlier today. As we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit that he's given to us. That's all connected to our relationship with hope. So let's have a look at this. What does suffering produce in the life of the believer? Well, it produces perseverance. And when perseverance is produced and it's working, it's producing character. And when character is being formed in our life, what does it do? It produces hope. This is how God produces hope on the inside of us, so that we can give away what God has given to us. Isn't that exciting? Anybody interested? Amen. How many long to be a hope giver in a hurting world? Anybody? Anybody with me? Would you stand to your feet? Would you lift your hands to God with me? Could you lift your hands up to God like aerials, as far as you can reach them up before the Lord? You pray this after me out loud, Holy Spirit. God of hope. I welcome you on this Sunday morning to impart into my heart through the encouragement of scriptures the power of hope. I ask you, God of hope, to fill me full of your nature so I can express who you are to this city and this region. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. Holy, Spirit, Holy Spirit, I declare today, I declare today 
that you are the God of hope. I embrace you fully. I welcome you inside. I release you from inside to fill my entire DNA with all forms of joy, all kinds of peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I love you. I welcome you. I adore you, Holy Spirit. I embrace you fully. I welcome you to displace everything in my DNA that should not be there by your own power. And I give you praise and thanksgiving. And God of hope, I celebrate you with all my heart. I bless you. I praise you. I magnify your name. Let's give them praise together, church. We worship you, God, today. We say thank you for your goodness and thank you for your grace and thank you for everything that you've given to us as the power of the Holy Spirit works in us and through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We give you praise. Can we shout to God with the voice of triumph? Go ahead, just give him a big shout this morning. We shout unto you with the voice of Hallelujah. triumph. Hallelujah. We Bless shout the Lord. Unto you with the voice of Bless triumph. Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Amen. Amen. God has called every one of us to be dealers in hopium. Amen. Barry and I have been telling people that for a long time. And, uh, you know, God's called you to give away hope. And, uh, you know, this world desperately needs what you can give. And you can give it because you have Jesus. It's that simple. Because you have, say, because I have Jesus, I can give away hope. Amen. Wow. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, uh, Ken, for that word this morning. I mean, if that didn't get you wakened up, you know, you better go to the hospital right from here because there's a serious problem going on. Uh, that is a life-giving word for sure. Father, we just thank you for this amazing day. and We thank you, Lord, for your incredible hope. Father, I thank you for the impartation that's been released in this place this morning by power of Holy Spirit. And Father, we ask today that God, you would take that word, you would burn it into our hearts. Father, that you would grab our spirits by Holy Spirit. And that, Father, we would be carriers of Romans 15, 13 all week long. And that, Father, we would bury it into our spirit and it would come out of us as hope upon every person that we meet. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Remember, it's Christmas season, right? So when someone says to you, happy holidays, don't get into a debate with them. Just say Merry Christmas, right? Right? Right. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.